Welcome to Box Up Banter. We are back from a was it a two month hiatus? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't two months. It was more like a month and a half, five weeks. <laughs> yeah. So we have Chris Okamura, Mr. Jordan Christmas. Uh, just the before we get into it, just some house cleaning, housekeeping business here. Well, we yeah, took a break. Very much house cleaning. A month's yeah. worth. Need to clean so we, up the whole yeah, house. Yeah, so we took, we took a break. Uh, we took a for mainly it was for the holidays. It started as for the holidays, uh, and then Jordan had gotten a new job, which he's going to talk about, a new position, which he's going to talk about, and then uh, I had gotten sick. <laughs> um, yeah. hope and you're, so hope you're good. I am. I'm a lot better. I'm not coughing every two seconds, which is great. And so yeah, we just figured that me uh, doing a podcast where I'm talking constantly uh, would probably be very bad. You didn't uh, get COVID from the. Uh... From the uh, recent Florida trip you took, did you? No, no, no. That was like, I that happened early December. This right, I, right. This, I got sick in uh, like January, um, so it was like you know weeks and weeks apart. But yeah, triple vaxxed and still, yeah. You know. Hey, but at least it got out of your system. That's very true. Yeah, I'm not. I'm totally fine, at least from what I can tell. So we'll see. Yeah, but, um, um, very happy. Jordan, and more positive news: you got a new position new job that kind of changes up your schedule here a little yeah bit, which... i got a yeah so uh i work at iheart i work at iheart radio and uh i got promoted uh, i used to work the overnight shift and now i'm uh anchoring news on the day side of things i finally can work a monday through friday day shift a normal ish shift it's still 4 a.m to noon but it definitely beats overnights but yeah last monday we were supposed to record, but uh, because I had been readjusting my sleep schedule, also it was the first day on the job, I slept through our recording time when I got home from work, and I, I could not stay up. I, my body could not fight the drowsiness. Um, you know, obviously readjusting your sleep schedule to program it to wake up for the overnight compared to waking up early in the morning, that's kind of been a... That's kind of been an adjustment. Um, <laughs> I missed the first half of the 49er game on Saturday because I basically uh, I planned to I woke up at 5 a.m. that Saturday. Right. Sleep schedule still all out of whack. And then I was like, all right, I know I'm going to have to take a nap at some point during the day because I woke up so early. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'll go to sleep around one or two games at five. I'll wake up around four, you know, get ready, get some coffee, get my jersey, my hat ready and all that stuff. Right. So I watched the first quarter of the first game that was on the Bengals Titans game. The first quarter goes by. I'm like, all right, time to time to knock out, set my alarm for a four thirty five. Wake up. And it's seven. <laughs> And the game is at five. So I jump out of bed like how, you know, how you sleep through your alarm and you're supposed to be somewhere and you are like, you're like, shit. I, I felt like I missed a work shift and I was like, shit, I'm two hours late or whatever. So I like jumped out of bed, ran to the, ran to my office to turn on the game. 
I'm texting two of my Niner friends, basically cliff notes. Like that's all I texted. I was like, give me cliff notes for the, yeah, what, happened, happened. what happened. And thankfully I tuned in with about eight minutes left in the third quarter. So before all the good shit, you know, happened, um, the blocked punt and, you know, stifling Aaron Rodgers in the second half and sending his, <laughs> all the jokes that just came out of that were hilarious, by the way. Uh, yeah. Everybody just dunking on Aaron Rodgers, which I very much enjoyed. Throw Rogan took me out. Uh, <laughs> I, my favorite my favorite one was, uh, there's a line about uh, how, like, the Packers had no shot. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. There's different variations of that. Um, Skip Bayless said that... Uh, Skip Bayless, of all people, was like, I guess Aaron Rodgers is immunized from winning in the postseason. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the Niners won. I was able to, uh, you know, see the rest of the game just in time. And uh, now your team and my team are going to square off in the NFC Championship game. And let me just say, while I am very weary of the fact that it is hard to beat an opponent seven times in a row, I am very confident... (laughs) in this matchup no offense um i i wanted the rams i was rooting for the rams yesterday to beat the bucks because i did not want any parts of tom brady but i feel very good about the nfc championship game it'll be a fun one for sure um yeah i think i think it'll be a fun game i think again it's 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 about the rams not beating themselves um which uh you know they've been doing they they do a lot and also uh Kyle Shanahan is Sean McVay's dad. Yeah, I, it's <laughs> insane to me. He has his number, man. Yeah, uh, but uh, it was a great weekend of football too. By the way, it is a. I know it's not a football podcast, but real quickly, like it was a great weekend of football. Um, the Bills Chiefs game was awesome. Um, the uh, Rams Bucks game. Well, that was kind of like I was just waiting to see when the Rams would co- would start collapsing and I would start getting mad at the Rams because I wanted them to win so so I could avoid Brady. But uh Matthew Stafford made the big throw. So uh that that was cool to see. Um but yeah, I'm exci- I didn't expect the Niners to be in the NFC Championship game. So, I'm just going to roll with the punches. <laughs> see where it takes us although now i'm at the at this point i'm too invested like if we don't if if we don't make the super bowl at least i will be bummed but we've been playing with house money this season so it's it's been it's been a good uh it's been a good uh a lot of good things have happened in the month and a half we haven't done a podcast i have a new desk i built a new desk with my dad it was a it's a battle station my i officially have a battle station now and which I am recording from, and uh, some great hoops going on too. So absolutely, so like a lot of big hoop news. Do you have anything that you want to hit first? Uh, no. Uh, or actually, I'll just follow your lead. It's been a minute, so uh, yeah, you we'll go wherever you want to go first with the news on the news front of things. Man, I mean, there's so there's so much that we've kind of missed and talked about. I do. I want to actually kind of talk on favorites and like sort of where we're at with favorites in the league okay um because i think like there was so much talk about like the the warriors who are now slumping um there's a lot of teams that are coming up like 
you know the heat are getting hot like where do you has anything changed in your favorites um i would say the phoenix suns right now i still think i still like the warriors like i know I know Steph is shooting like a potato right now, and Draymond. Yeah, like, I'm, not, I'm not saying like I'm not saying they are, they are no longer a. Favorite. Oh yeah, I'm just I know what like, you, I know what you're they've, saying. They've like kind of dropped off or cooled off at least. Yeah, but the, yeah, but uh, I'm just talking more about like the shifting, the ever shifting power rankings. I guess um, sure. the Suns are the the Suns are incredible. Like they are a well oiled machine. They're better than last year. Their players are better than last year. Cam Johnson in particular. Bismack Biombo, found off the street, is playing amazing. Chris Paul can literally take any center and turn him into a very competent and serviceable big man. Um they're just they're and Devin Booker's having a career year in terms of shooting the three, like the Suns and the Warriors for me are neck and neck. I think they are the two clear best teams in the NBA. Um, fully healthy, of course. Um, we'll see when Draymond gets back. Clay still being worked back into the mix, which was great to see Clay Thompson back. Uh, yeah, lots happened <laughs> since the last time we did a podcast. Yeah, Steph, I, uh... Steph broke the three point record. Kyrie is playing road games now as a part time player, but which I uh, hate, by the way. Which I hate too, it, for a myriad of reasons that I guess we'll get into later. But uh, if you're talking about favorites in the West, it's still the Warriors and Suns for me, and then kind of everybody else in the West. The Jazz have I, I'm actually going to do a video on the Jazz, but they have like three key playoff questions for me that need to be answered. Like I have like I have identified three questions that I have for the Jazz. Uh, in terms of their playoff outlook uh the grizzlies are amazing um no matter who's in and out of the lineup uh they got young legs man they got young legs yeah. they drafted well and john um, morant has taken the leap to a capital s superstar like in his third year like yeah. i think he's a lock for uh i i had him as a lock for one of my the guard spots in the western conference all-star team and then in the East, dude, it's honestly take your pick. I think fully healthy Nets is still the best team in the East, although I still like the Bucks, but they've been having some bad losses lately. The Heat as well. The East is just so wide open. It's crazy. Like, no team is on pace to win, like, 53 games or whatever it is because there's so many good teams in the East. It's really yeah, – it's, it's ridiculous. It's pretty crazy and, like – even when you look at the bottom half of the East, like, mm -hmm. look, bottom half right now, I'm looking at Celtics, Raptors, Wizards, Knicks, Hawks, Pacers, Pistons, Magic. Aside from the Pistons and the Magic, which, by the way, Cade has figured something out. Something turned on. Yeah, Cade, has, fi Cade, Cade has figured some things out, for sure. Like, he started slow. But yeah, he came back that from was injury, the, that like, was the ankle injury though. Like, yeah, it's like oh, he's shooting bit poorly because of an ankle. Like, surprise, but like, surprise. Cade figured it out. Like he's, it he's doing the Luca thing, and I don't I don't want to compare him to Luca in terms of like how good they are because Luca's on a different level. But Cade, they, it's the kind of thing where when he's in the game, he plays to his own pace. Yeah, and it's that kind of thing where it's like oh, the game is different when he's in there. Whether yeah, or not he's, he's scoring or doing whatever, like he has a pace to his play that's like very unique. Yeah, he's over the last month and a half, two months, he's been playing fantastic. Uh, 
The Orlando Magic, too, by the way, they have found something with Franz Wagner. I think he's yeah. he's going to be a star. Jalen Suggs is starting to play like, but yeah. Oh, remember um, I told you I told you in the draft process. I was like, I like Franz oh, yeah. Wagner. Like, I told good. <laughs> I I had the Magic as a draft winner, dude. Like I was I was like I don't know how often the Magic win their drafts on draft night or whatever, but I think the Magic definitely won theirs. Like they got a great draft haul, but uh. Yeah, dude, I'm looking at the standings too, like up and down, like the East is just full of talented teams. Like some teams like the Celtics are disappointing. The Raptors have turned it around and they're going with this really crazy just experiment. Fred Van Vliet is on fire. Fred Van Vliet is, has been awesome. I have him on my all-star team. Um, but uh, the Raptors are going with this just all 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", lineup, which is like our fever dream because it's just a bunch of long boys on that team. Um, when you include the like Barnes Ananobi and Siakam are all starting together. And then you got Boucher coming off the bench. I mean, Delano Banton was a find in the second round, although his minutes have been up and down lately, but, uh, the Raptors have turned it around and Fred Van, uh, after, uh, going through a little rough patch and Fred Van Vliet, like you said, he's been, on fire like not only on offense but he's playing all nba level defense he's always been a good defender um well of course the elephant in the room is uh ben simmons and let me just say there is for the last month and a half there is no one playing better basketball than joel Embiid right now like no oh, yeah. one. he's absolutely playing out of his mind no like he is at the top of my mvp list right now like and i recently put him up there like a week and a half ago he's just been on a tear man like since he's come back from covid he's been at or in his last 15 games i should say but going back to when he came back from covid he's been averaging over 30 11 shooting 50 shooting over 50 percent and damn near 40 percent from three um, but in his last 15, he's averaging 33 and 11. Like this guy is incredible. Like I, I'm just going to go on record and say it now, but like he, it, the way, the way he's been playing, he's at, he's the most skilled center I've seen in my life. Like I have, I have no problem saying that it might be premature. You might, your, your head might be imploding right now with what I just said, but like, when you consider that he has the old school game of a back to the basket 90 center, but also has the jump shot, but not just the jump shot, the handle, the pull up jumper, the fact that he has taken fractions of Kobe's mid post game and Michael's mid post game with the fadeaway jumper. Like he's the most skilled center I've seen. And yeah, I, I mean, hope, he, I hope to God he, he stays healthy. Like, to me, he is in the same. He's the closest thing that we've seen to Hakeem. Yeah, and that was a, like, that's the crazy. That was his comp coming out of college. Like, yeah, that was that was his comp. But he's taken elements of Dirk's one-legged mid-post game too. Like, he can turn into he can turn into Shaq one play, and then turn into Dirk the next play. It's mind-numbing, dude. I can't. I can't believe he's this good. And I was a big Embiid guy. Like I, on my old Twitter account, I tweeted that the Cavs should take Joel Embiid number one. 
like in that draft. I, I thought he was the best player in the draft and had not only was I thought he was the best player in the draft in that 2014 draft. I thought he had the high, highest ceiling out of everyone in that draft. Like the fact that we are at this point, considering how he missed two years with the foot, it's it's mind numbing. It's mind numbing. We have the best player in the world and it's 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 great. Is it's like just from a Sixer fan standpoint, it, like you, you just have to, you know how like when you see something special and you're just like, okay, we just gotta cherish this. Like that's how I feel with Embiid right now. His last 16 games. Let me read off his stats to you, then I'll turn it over to you. 33.9 points per game, 10 rebounds a game, one and a half blocks per game. Four assists per game, and that's the underrated thing with Embiid. He has taken another leap as a passer this year. But he is also shooting 55% from the field and 41.5% from three. And also shooting 83% from the foul line, averaging 11 free throw attempts per game. This guy is bending people to his will, and it's he's the most spry he's ever looked. I've never seen him take the ball in transition as much as he has right now. Joel Embiid's been the best basketball player in the world in the, over the last month and a half, and it's it's fun. He's my MVP right now. Yeah, I, I also have him as my MVP, uh, just given the, how good the Sixers are and, and where he's at. And again, he's kind of doing it. I don't want to say by himself, but he's really and basically Tobias yeah, Harris mean, is a brick rate waiting to happen. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it it's just uh, I don't know. And so while we're on this topic of like gushing about our teams. The Lakers don't have much to gush about, and like I don't want to get stuck on them because we've talked about them to death, and we already know that they're garbage. And they, I mean, I'm I'm here to slander the Lakers. I mean, speak for yourself, but (laughs) but yeah, like you know, again, like we again, it's it's kind of been talked to death. And the thing that I will say is that like I continue, we we are lucky, and I continue to be amazed at how good LeBron James is. Still, oh yeah, that that fact, yes, yes. and like he's leading the league in scoring or at least one or two last time I checked. And he is, he's even said the other night that he is in one of the best offensive stretches of his career that he feels like. And like, when you look at his numbers, it's actually stunning what he's doing at the age of like, yeah, he's, sec- he's, he's second. <laughs> he is, uh, he's second. He's 0.3 points behind Kevin Durant, which it's crazy. crazy that- it's crazy thing that the two of them, after like a decade, are still up at the top of yep. the league. Um, <laughs> yeah, it it's just an insane amount of talent. Um, at so at, I, at in his thirty age thirty seven season. Yeah, you just have to appreciate, right? Like it's it's kind of thing. Like I, it's not even a thing of like. On one hand, it's concerning that Vogel has been going to LeBron at center lineups a lot this year, just because yes. the team sucks, the roster construction sucks. Yeah. But also the fact that he is doing this is also really cool. Hundred <laughs> like, percent. Even as a even as someone like me who has reveled in the Lakers implosion this year, this year, the the one constant that I'm amazed by is just like, damn, LeBron James is still really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, he's still he's still a top five player in the NBA, and yep. it's and again, like I know we talked about this before. It, it's a thing of. I cannot picture him with given what he's doing now. And like, even if he degrades a little bit in the next, like three to four years, I can't see him ever being bad. Yeah. 
Like, I can't ever see a world where LeBron is washed. Well, you, like, let's say even in his eight to, what, let's say he plays for, like, three more years. What if, like, or you, he's what, 41. What, if, what if, like, in his age 40 season, he averages, like, well, like, 22, five and five? Like, that's still really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a career year for some people. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just insane. Yeah, so yes, LeBron has been great. Uh Westbrook has been a another story. Although I do think uh there is a little too much piling on Westbrook. I do I, I, there's a again, good there's a good reason why people are piling on Westbrook, but I think it's gotten overboard. Uh but No, it's it's an equal it's equal shares Westbrook, Palenka, and Vogel. And I feel like people jump too much on either side like oh it's i don't share i don't all three of them i don't think it's an equal share with i think vogel has made some mistakes but i put this squarely on rob palinka mm, i disagree I, well okay i put it on i i put it on palinka for giving vogel the tools but vogel has done a very poor job of optimizing the tools that he has there is no world and i don't know how much laker games you watch there's no oh, I've world watched plenty <laughs> There's there's no world where Avery Bradley should have more minutes than Malik Monk or Austin Reeves. That's that's true. And also, there is no world, and it's happened every game. That's true. And also, Vogel stuck with the uh, too big lineup at the beginning of the season for uh-huh. too long. But yeah, and against the against the Pacers and DeBontis Sabonis, the one team that he probably should have two bigs out, he did not play Dwight Howard. Eh, I mean, yeah, Argu- I get. Arguably, that's arguably I, that's one of the teams, one of the few teams in the NBA that you actually probably should have a big out with. Yeah, that's true. Especially when you're getting beat inside and beat in the paint. But also, a shot. but also, like, it's Dwight Howard. Like, it's not sure. But what other options do you have other than putting Melo at the five? That it. Yes, but the reason I'm not putting that much blame on Vogel is because. We know the formula that Vogel needs to make it work, like with the roster, and yeah, and this is where and this is where I put a lot of the blame on Rob Polinka. the The blueprint has been there since LeBron James' what fifth year in the league. Surround yeah. him with shooters. Surround him with the personnel that fits LeBron. Vogel specifically is a defensive first coach. I mean, how do you? I mean, you you saw it. You guys won the championship because you got guys like Danny Green, Alex Caruso, um, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, defenders on defenders on defenders, and Anthony Davis played out of his mind in the bubble, which is now looking more like a admiration the more the further we look back on it and look at his career as a whole. But that's besides the point. That roster was riddled with defensive versatility. On top of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you guys could have used this opportunity to trade for Buddy Healed and get yep. other pieces around that, but you guys said no. Or LeBron it's, specifically, it's the, LA, wanted, it's the LA move, right? It's the it's the we get stars. Yeah, we LA. get stars. But Russell Westbrook has not been a superstar for five no. years now, and then you guys get Westbrook, who we all know was an odd fitting fit. And all the Westbrook stands, we wanted to couch our Westbrook takes because the Westbrook stands are like Kobe stands without the pedigree. They just wanted to defend Westbrook at every turn before the season started. And it's kind of bore out to be true, our concerns. And so it's like, I re- like yeah, 
Vogel could have made some lineup better lineup choices here and there, but Vogel was really dealt a shit hand to begin with because his calling card defense, he, he just didn't have the personnel. He just doesn't have the personnel. Yeah, right sure. Again, I don't, again, I don't think it, I think it, it is more on Vogel than you are giving credit. Like I, I, again, I don't want, I don't think it is as like, Hey, there's nothing Vogel can do. Cause again, there's, there's clear optimizations here that everyone can see that they're just not making. And and they and insiders have confirmed that Avery Bradley starting eating minutes is a a uh Vogel only decision. That he just yeah. likes Avery Bradley. I just which, think I just think we disagree on how much fault he gets because sure, no, that's fine. Yeah. I, I, I again I think it's I I to me it's the thing of it's your job as a coach to do what's best for with the tools that you're given. And again, yeah, he hasn't been given the optimal tools. But at the same time, like, dude, there's very clear optimizations here that you could be making that could at least alleviate some of the situation. Because again, it's not like, okay, there are a lot of nights where Lakers get blown out and like really shit the bed. But there's also quite a few games where they just have leads that they just like blow up. And you're like, what? Like, we're, we're clearly using lineups that just aren't, are like dead minutes. And sure. we continue to use them. Yeah, um, I get. I guess I I don't know. I just I guess for this particular situation, I just look squarely at Polinka and GM LeBron because he wanted Westbrook. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think I it's very clear too that you can tell from the way LeBron talks that he regrets the decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think a lot of Laker fans reg- regret that decision. Yeah. Too. Um, uh, but enough we, about the lake. I think we talked about the lake. Yeah, we we've talked about them enough. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. Funny side note, and I do want to bring this up because it's something that I've, I I had this moment the other night. So I log on to Twitter and I see Grayson Allen trending, and I was like, oh, oh that. I was like, oh, that's funny. Someone made a dirty play and they called it a Grayson Allen. I wonder who made it. And I looked and I was like, oh, it it's great. just Grayson Allen. It's just Grayson Allen. <laughs> Yeah, and so then I was like, well, "Who did he foul?" And I was like, "Oh my god, he fouled the one person that would get every single person in the NBA mad." <laughs> and Bucks fans tried to defend it. Like, look, I do I think Grayson Allen tried to break Alex Alex Caruso's wrist? No. No. Was that foul? He- was that foul unnecessary? Yes, and it was it was borderline dirty. Like, I mean, to me, it's it, it was the. Yes, he grabbed his wrist, right? Like that was fine. Like I thought he was going for the ball at first, but then yeah. like the second act, the of... second the second hand coming yeah. over and pulling him was yeah. like, "Yo, wait, hold on, you just yeah. spun the man in midair." Yeah, and it, I can't believe, uh, I can't like I remember, like growing up, I was, I was a Duke fan. I'm just gonna admit it. Like I, I was a Duke fan when I was a kid. I rooted for uh, the Shane Battier team with. Uh, Elton Brand. Yeah, with Elton Brand and all the Chris Duhon and all those guys, right? Um sure. and then, you know, my fan my college fandom kind of waned as I got older. I really wasn't into being a fan of a college team, but I still had like Duke ties or not Duke ties, but still had some Duke fandom in me. But uh I didn't think I would ever see somebody be hated more than JJ Reddick when he was at Duke and then Grayson Allen kind of just set the new bar <laughs> with his, yeah, he's like, hold my beer. 
Yeah, yeah. He really was like, hold my beer, and then just jumped and like javelin jumped over the bar uh, to <laughs> to become the most hated Duke player. And for good reason. Like, um, at that point, my fandom had really gone away. Uh, but um, Grayson Allen is just, he has, he's, re- he's repeatedly like, not to quote Charlie Murphy and Dave Chappelle, but he's a habitual line stepper and tripping people, dirty fouls. And this was just the latest one in a string of just, you just like, you just can't deny it anymore. Like he's a dirty player. He's a good player. He's a, like, use- I, I always, I, I just laughed. Cause it's a thing of like, man, if you made a list of like top five likable players in the NBA, Alex like, Caruso I, is, is on the list. Is on the list, yeah. <laughs> like you couldn't have, he couldn't have hurt a someone that more that would like get you the angst of the entire yeah. NBA community. Alex Caruso has one of the highest approval ratings among fans, <laughs> and you, you just took out his wrist, which was already hurt by the way, but now it's fractured. Yeah, he just had surgery today. Yeah, and the Bulls. I look at the Bulls and um, I just don't. I just they're slumping as late as of late. What's up? They're slumping a little bit. Yeah, they are, but I think it's because of injuries. Like Lonzo goes down, Alex Caruso goes down. Like they, yeah, it's funny they they had an abundance of guards, and now I think they actually need a guard. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like their two best defenders are out now for six to eight weeks. Lonzo and out like in, in Caruso, and their defense has actually been slipping over the last month. But I think that's just because of injuries. Like DeRozan has missed a few games. Levine has missed has missed a few games. Caruso and DeRozan or Caruso and Ball and some Derek Jones Jr. has missed some games. Like the the like the Bulls are just losing bodies and I think that's really why they've been slipping. But they've been on the defensive end, but they have still like maintained a steady ship. They've still are fighting for the top spot in the conference. I know they've been struggling the last ten games, but like I think they're just doing what they can. But to me, yeah. even fully healthy, I think the Bulls are a piece away or or like a big impact player away from like, for me at least, being in the tier of a Brooklyn, a Milwaukee, or even a Miami Heat team that has constantly reinvented themselves through all their injuries. Bam Adebayo goes down. The Heat start morphing into a three-point shooting team. Like, Jimmy and Bam miss some time. Kyle Lowry misses time. Like, they just keep winning games despite losing their best players. And now that they're starting to get fully healthy, Lowry isn't back yet, I don't believe. Um, they they are starting to form into the contender that a lot of Heat enthusiasts saw. Um, Kevin Durant's injury kind of mucks things up a little bit, but I mean, he was probably the MVP favorite before he got his MCL injury. Um, the Bucks are still looming because their net their net rate. I really don't care where the Bucks are seated. Like, yeah, they're just gonna turn it on. It's yeah. like any, it's like, it's like any championship team. Yeah, like any defending they just coast, yeah. right? They just coast. Uh, Cleveland's offense does concern me in the playoffs, but I think they have an identity with their defense that just gives them yeah. a big tool in their box to go to war with in the playoffs. And I and I do actually really like the. I I really do like Kevin Love's role on this team. Oh, like, Kevin I, Love's a six man of the year candidate. I I I. 
I know he's expensive for a second of the year candidate, but like he is he is turned into like a very positive leader and a positive I mean, like yeah the contract is stabilizing is at this yeah point. but like he's a very positive leader and like stabilizing presence off the bench yeah which is that, uh a definitely a far cry from his from when they were in the dog days and kevin love was visibly would get frustrated at team there yeah, you, see, you see clips where he's like waving his arms up or just standing in the key for nine seconds to make a point you know yeah uh, but yeah, he's morphed into a good, I think he's a six man of the year candidate. Uh, and it sucks that the Rubio injury happened because uh, him and Kevin Love off the bench were one of the best tandems in the NBA, like coming off of the bench. Um, Rondo can maybe, Rondo has been, he's been okay. Uh, but he, but I, I just think Rubio's impact is just going to be sorely missed, but Darius Garland has been fantastic. Jared Allen is an all-star. Evan Mobley has a has a fringe all-star case as a rookie. Um and I think he's the clear rookie of the year. Yeah. Still. I I, I know people people see, bring up Scotty Barnes but like I Yeah, I, people I don't, I think, and, Ma- think, and Magic fans have been getting testy too cuz Franz Wagner has been on fire the last two months. It's Evan Mobley's the rookie of the year full It's stop. his award to lose. It's it's, it's his it's his award to lose. Like he he not only is he not only is he great defensively as a rookie, he legitimately has a case for an all NBA defensive team. Like yeah. honor. I would give him a like, third team honor right now. Uh I think they only do two teams, the defensive team. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I he would if there was if he, there was he, a would, be, team, he would be on a second team yeah. ballot for me. Cause like to me, Mobley is the most important defender because he allows Cleveland to play all those bigs together. Yeah. Cause he can guard literally every fucking body. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's the same kind of like defensive impact that you get with like an Anthony Davis, like or anything like that. Where you, if you have a highly mobile switchable big, yeah, like back there, it opens up everything else for your entire defense, right? Yeah, and um, um that's the value of like guys like that, like Embiid, Davis, yep. like all you know, the Simmons. highly mobile Simmons, yes, yeah, Simmons, you know, the high, the highly mobile big is huge. Yeah, and. uh so yeah, that's why I mean, yeah, with all due respect, this rookie class has been fantastic. Again, we have another batch of great rookies because we're not even talking about guys like Herb Jones who the Pelicans have been playing way better basketball since he got inserted into the starting lineup back in late November. Um Io Desumu for the Bulls has been awesome. Um the Nets look like they've nailed their draft because they're all their draft picks have been playing when the team was ridden with COVID and all that. Um, it's a really fun, it's a really fun draft class. But uh, if you're talking crazy, about the crazy part is when you think about this draft class, how good this draft class is, look at like the next one coming up. <laughs> like, yeah, I know we're going to get three or four of these in a row where players come in and they're just absolutely ready to go. I mean, the league is just, the league is riddled with talent. Um, and I'm looking at the standings right now, like one through six is only separated by two and a half games. Charlotte is Charlotte has been turning it around after, you know, slumping a little bit uh, like three or four weeks back. Um, the Washington Wizards, Kyle Kuzma has become a fucking revelation over the last three weeks. He's been their best player averaging like over 25 yeah. a game and, you know, playing playing both ways he's hit clutch shots for the wizards all year too um the knicks stepping back was kind of predictable this year 
Um, considering that I think we talked about it before, but every guy on the Knicks had a career year shooting the ball last year and stuff. Um, They've come back down to earth. Yeah, and they, especially Julius Randle has come back down to earth specifically. Um, I think the Hawks need to consolidate. They have too many players that need minutes, which is why I think the Cam Reddish trait they could have gotten something better. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of rumor that they're just kind of clean house. Yeah, that well, like uh, really the only untouchables are Trey Young and Quinn Capella. Um, but they've they've started playing better recently too. I think the East is just so deep and so riddled with just talent everywhere that it's it's kind of hard to pick a favorite. But I mean, I would kind of just default and go to the Bucks if I had to. Going back all the way back to your original question yeah. in terms of the East, like I would probably default to the Bucks because the Brooklyn Nets situation, like what are the Nets just going to not, are, are the Nets going to, this is insane to even ask, but what if the Nets just become a fifth seed so they could all start all their series on the road? Like, because yeah, like that's, Kyrie's that's not like, Getting a top seat for the Nets is actually a bad thing because then they don't have their full power when they play at home. Like this, and and that's that's just oh my god, that is just so the whole Kyrie yeah. situation. I'm sorry, it's just you're gonna get my unfiltered filtered thoughts on this. I think his stance was asinine from the beginning, and I've said that on this podcast before. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Like his like his whole stance on why he won't get the vaccine and who he is speaking for who are the voiceless even though the anti-vax crowd is very much not voiceless they are actually a pretty loud group a pretty loud and wrong group um but uh his reasonings and then him willing to hit him saying like you know you think i love the game that much to just throw away a season and it's like well yeah your actions are showing that you're willing to throw away a season and then imagine if you're kevin durant or james harden who you've tight you have hitched your wagon to this guy. Yeah, I can't and, even imagine. And, and again, that, that goes back to the that goes to the rumor of of uh your boy Daryl trying to get Harden out of there. Yeah, and I can't imagine Harden's too happy about it either. I mean, he's been pretty mum well before Kyrie started playing. He's been mum whenever he's been asked questions. He's like, I don't know. I I've you know he's indicated like he's barely talked to him and stuff like that. I can't imagine Harden is too happy about this. Um, but like there like even if just putting aside the vaccine stuff for a second, like there's a thing called sacrificing for your team. And like if your goal is to win the championship and New York City rules clearly mandate that you have to be vaccinated to be in a packed arena, then just get the vaccine. Like it's like if that is what's required to compete and play. And yes, it is stupid that unvaccinated players on a road team could play in New York or in Brooklyn. Like that's that's a weird loopy rule that is dumb, right? But that's not the point. The the man league rules say you have to follow the mandates within your city. And the mandate clearly states that you need to get vaccinated in order to play in an arena. And they, and by the way, the Nets can't pay for fines. Like they, they legally, they cannot do that. Like Woj made that very clear, but like 
So now you're only going to be – and by the way, shame on the Nets for caving in. Yeah, they because have they, guns. they didn't need to cave in because they were already at the top of the conference when they started allowing Kyrie to be a, quote, part-time player. I mean, what kind of message does that send to your teammates, too? Not only that, you're throwing off the rhythm of your team because you're playing road games with Kyrie, home games without Kyrie, and losing very winnable games at home because he's not playing. And now Kevin Durant's hurt, so now Harden's going to have to carry the load by himself at home. Like... Like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound sports hot takey, but one, it's selfish. Also, it's stupid because his reasonings for not taking the vaccine are stupid. And also, like, if mandate requires you to get vaccinated in order to play in home games, but yet you want to win the championship, then wouldn't it be prudent to get vaccinated? Like, this whole thing is just, it's, the whole Kyrie saga was, is, was stupid from Jump Street. And I, I just, like... And I look, Kyrie is an enigma. He's very mysterious. Like he has weird stances that he takes. He says some dumb shit. But I've typically been a Kyrie fan and I love seeing him play. He has one of the most aesthetically pleasing games ever. Oh my God. The, I, I was talking to someone the other day. Kyrie, with as, with as talented as Kyrie is as a player and like the flair that he plays with, best he, handle I've ever seen. Yeah, he should be, and again, this is this might tilt you a little bit. He should be as beloved as AI was, but he does not have the personality or like any kind of like just or any based kind on of common pure, sense, right? Like he just doesn't have. I don't want to say passion, but he doesn't have like the fire and like the, um, like I don't even know what to how to put it, but like in terms of just looking at their game, you go, wow, he should be revered as like and he is revered by a generation of kids and also yeah like but, Kyrie has his stands too who will just defend him no matter what and they're annoying but yeah I get what you're saying like he, you know what I'm saying like when you look at him and you go wow like he is a generational guy mm -hmm. but he throws it down the drain for these stances that you just like I don't know where you're coming from here or like I see where you're coming from, but it it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, <I don't... laughs> like yeah, I see where you're coming from, and it's dumb. <laughs> like... Yeah, like the funny thing is like when people are like, "Well, let him explain," or like, "Did you listen to him?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, it's I did." Still dumb. Like it's yeah, still... and I and I've heard him explain it the fifth and fourth and the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh time he's been given the chance to explain it, and it's still dumb. <laughs> like yeah, again, I'm not. I'm not one to just like kind of write him off and be like, he's just dumb. I always give him a chance to explain and listen and I'll listen. Yeah. But man, it just does not, it and gets yes. worse and worse every and, time. He like, and yes, he's done charitable things and yes, he's, he supports good causes, but his flatter comments, stupid. Like that's walk those back to, <laughs> he, he kind of did. He kind of walked those back. It was kind of like the the mid, the gray area where it's like I'm walking it back, but I still kind of it, it, stupid. I'm joking. Come on, guys, I'm joking. I'm joking. Stupid. The anti-vax stuff. Stupid. Him posting a picture of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. or whatever after the Nets allowed him to be a part-time player on his. No, he, he's, he's, joking, he's joking. No, he's joking. No. 
He's joking. <laughs> he's joking. <laughs> like this, Kyrie really thinks he's Malcolm X with this stance. It's like no. Again, it, it's the same. It's like the again. It's not as bad, and I don't want to compare them. They're not. As, he's not this bad, but it's like the Antonio Brown thing, right? Where it's like, dude, you just don't understand. Like, yeah, yeah. That Antonio Brown, that whole thing was wild too. <laughs> that whole like. Like I su- I support players for expressing themselves and stuff like that, but there's a limit to it. There's always side a limit tangent, to a lot. Side of tangent, side tangent to get on the Antonio Brown thing real quick. The line that got me was like when he's talking about Brady on that podcast, and he said something like, "Oh, I could not." Brady, yeah, yeah. Where he said something like, "Brady went to go fight for his boy. Why? Why Gronk got a guaranteed contract, and I don't got a guaranteed contract, or like whatever." Like and really? I was like, you don't understand why you don't have a guaranteed contract, yeah, I was like, Antonio I was like, Brown. You don't, yeah, I was like, dude, you put that on yourself. Like, there's no Tom. Tom can only bat so much for you, and you have all this stuff on your on your when head. The, when the Bucks signed Antonio Brown, Bruce Arians literally said one mistake and he's out. And Antonio yeah. Brown made like five mistakes, was still on the team, and then did this, and it was like he's off the team. Like, there's a reason Gronk has a gear. There's a reason, Mike. My, dude, the funny thing about that podcast was all four. I think there was three of them. All three of those podcast hosts, they were absolute yes men. They were like, yeah, they tried, they were agreeing with Antonio Brown, greasing him up. Like Antonio Brown was like, who is the best wide receiver on that team? It was me. And then one podcast host was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was, it's like, no, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Gronk. Like (laughs) those three podcast hosts were just totally, totally riding him. It was Man, don't even now. Now we're gonna do Antonio Brown rants. No, <laughs> no, uh, but no, like so. I don't know if it, it, I to circle it all back. Like it's insane that we're even having this conversation of oh, should Brooklyn be a fifth seed or a sixth seed? Like, what is yeah. this? And also, like, we do have when like five years or seven years from now, when Kevin Durant retires and all that stuff. We do kind of have to look back at this inflection point in his career where he decided to leave Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors to go play with the Nets, which is a move all fine by himself, right? Like, but he decided to hitch his wagon to Kyrie, the most enigmatic super. Uh, I don't even know if superstar is the right term with Kyrie. I don't know how to define Kyrie and like the Talent. star. Either. Yeah talent yeah he's a star for sure hit one of the greatest shots in nba finals history but like he hitched his wagon to one of the most enigmatic stars ever and i know he's his best friend and stuff but like that's going to be a decision he's going to come to regret regret because this nets team it's it's, it's, it's like that thing it's like that thing where like when you're in school and you know your friend is like lazy and they're they're like hey partner up with a for a project and like your friends like yo we partnered up and you go <laughs> I guess I guess so but you know like it's, yeah. this ain't gonna go well you know it's like, gonna you know it's gonna be a fun time but in terms of production for uh, the goal of the project it's not gonna yeah you're go just well. like you're like man I'm gonna have to do most of this work but like I, he's my boy though right I gotta, I gotta yeah. do it. <laughs> that's a good that's a good analogy because it's like look the the nets by the way. We we are saying all of this, and the Nets are only a half game out of the one seed in the East. Right. Again, like I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I know is, that's what I'm this saying. Is not like this it's... is not like a, a this is not a a 
mix for long-term success. <laughs> I know that's that's what I'm saying though. Like the fact that we it can identify all these problems with the Nets, they are still they are so talented that they are <laughs> a half game out of the first seed in the East, and it's like. I will say though, if they didn't make that Harden trade last year, they'd be in the dumpster right now. They'd be cooked. <laughs> they'd be cooked. Because remember, yeah, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was still missing a lot of games because he was, yeah. you know, recovering from his Achilles and stuff. Like, like if that. they didn't trade for Harden last year, like they're lucky they got Harden. Yep. And also, like, who knows? Harden might just he might leave, and I hope he goes to the Sixers. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I would still take 33 year old. I know everybody's joked on, you know, oh, you know, the refs are calling the game differently this year. Harden, Harden's lost his main weapon and all that. Harden's still an offense unto himself. Like he's still averaging like what 23, eight and eight. Like I think he's averaging like 10, 10 assists a game. I think something like that. Yeah, it, like let me let me pull up Harden's stats. I think it's like yeah, he's averaging yeah, yeah he's averaging 23, eight and ten. Like yeah, he's still crazy. really good. Like, yeah, the, the, he needs to be in better shape, and it does concern me. He's thirty three. He's going to be 33, but, like, he's still really good. <laughs> like, But it's insane to me that this Nets team is still really talented, but we might not even know if they're going to win the chip or not because we don't know if they're going to be at full strength, if Kyrie's going to get the vaccine, or so we can play home playoff games. Like, just how is that going to look with your team? You're in the midst of – you're in the foxhole. You're in the trenches in this playoff series, right? You're playing the Bucks or whatever, and it's a crucial game five at home. Like, the Nets have a crucial game five at home, and you're telling me that Kyrie's not going to play because he's not vaccinated? That's just stupid, man. It's dumb. It's one of the dumbest storylines in the NBA. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I'm with you, 100%. <laughs> Um. So, who are you looking at as the favorite then, like, or the favorites? Uh, it's kind of hard to pick in the East. It's kind of wide open because of what I was saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you in that. I, I, I think just the Bucks get a free pass. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think. I think the. Uh, I have the Nets kind of as a dark horse if they can pull. They just have so much talent that you can't count them out. Um. And then. As like kind of the two other teams, I do like the Heat and the Bulls when they're fully healthy. I just think that there's yeah. so much lineup flexibility for both of them mm-hmm. um, that I do like what they bring to the table. I do think there's a clear separation between those top four and the second half. Like I think the I think the Sixers, the Cavs, the Hornets are teams that can like really kind of if if they can put a run together, they can beat any one of these three teams. I think it's just a matter of like. Uh, if they get hot at the right time, who's healthy, who's not healthy, and then like a lot of momentum. I just don't think that they have the amount of talent and depth that the other top four teams do. Oh yeah, because no, the Sixers as currently constructed, they're not. Yeah, like no, but that's what I'm saying. Like I, yeah. I think that, but but like if MB gets hot and like Giannis is out, or if you know if the Bulls don't have their full backcourt, or if the you know if. KD's in and out of the lineup and Kyrie's not playing or, you know, if anything happens, I think that easily the Sixers could overtake one of these top four teams in the playoffs in the right matchup in the right series with yeah. whatever right circumstances and like a ton of momentum. Like honestly, in a match in a matchup in a series against the Bulls, I actually would pick the Sixers yeah. to win that again, series. I again again, I don't I don't 
I'm not taking the Sixers as like a favorite. Yeah, yeah. But I think they can course. definitely they can definitely pull off an upset of any one of these top four teams. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I I think that's it speaks to what we're talking about, like the depth of the of the conference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like with the West, I think it really is like Suns Warriors, and then like the rest. Yeah. Um, where you know there's a little more parity in the East. I think the interesting thing is like where you see teams like the Celtics and the Raptors, where it's like, yeah, they could like. The Celtics, to me, I this this gets another question, and like maybe this is the last question we end on. Do you, because we're we're coming up on an hour here, the do, do you get rid of do you bail on one of the guys? No. I think it's literally the rot everything else around those two. I think anytime you have, I mean, but like do you do you think that it'd be easier for you to build a team? around like a Tatum if you flip pieces if you flip Brown for pieces I think the Celtics have the two stars in okay so let me just say from a six it it is a valid it is a valid question yeah from a Sixer fan perspective I would love Jalen Brown on my team send me all the Jalen Browns (laughs) on this team I from a neutral perspective I think the problem with the Celtics is they just haven't really recovered all those from the slow talent drain that's been happening over the last three years, losing Gordon Hayward, losing Kyrie Irving, and then subsequently losing Kimball Walker, losing Al Horford. I think the problem with the Celtics is they are solely relying on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to not only obviously score a bunch, but also facilitate and while they have gotten better at facilitating, that's definitely not their strong suit. The Celtics were at their best when they had guys who could pass like Gordon Hayward, like Al Horford, guys who were connecting passers, smart players, uh, and not that the Jays aren't smart or anything, but they knew, Horford and Hayward knew how to move the ball, connect the ball, make sure it keeps moving, because it does – when you're asking Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to carry a team that were Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart are basically your best playmakers and an older Horford, like I think that's a recipe for having the inconsistency that we've seen with the Celtics. Sure. But like what what do you have in the war chest to like try to build this team out? Is kind of my question. That is true. That I guess that's something for um brad stevens and them to figure out because they haven't drafted well either or i don't think they've drafted well so much as they're not developing their young talent because like guys like aaron neesmith um romeo langford like guys that have been basically relegated to the corner um you know you'll hear celtics fans talk about it all the time um i do think that maybe I think their best asset probably is trading Marcus Smart and seeing what you could get for him. Um, like I don't know if the return on Marcus Smart is as high as it was maybe like even two years. I ago. would just I would just do everything I can to keep Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because I think those guys are stars and I think any time you have a wing tandem, you do your bet damnedest to hold on to that. And I really do think it's been the slow talent drain and the lack of developing the draft picks from the alleged war chest that Danny Ainge built. Yeah, up. I, 
the war chest the thing makes me laugh so hard because it's a thing yeah. of like they had so many assets and remember the they nets did. hall mm-hmm. the nets hall that was like the golden goose yeah and they got jalen brown out of that i don't want to get that twisted but like yeah like you said like not only it wasn't just the the nets picks it was the grizzly picks it was all these different picks from different teams and they really just have Robert Williams is solid. He just needs to stay healthy and develop more. Grant Williams has actually turned into, finally this year, has shown some flashes of just being a guy that could shoot corner threes and defend one through four with his stocky size. Um, But I would just personally, I would do everything I can to keep the Jays together. I think uh, that's... Having two wings gives you a lot of flexibility to build out your team. I just think the Celtics have done a poor job at it. And then decisions like, you know, trading away Aaron Bain, trading away Matisse Thibel to us. Um, as weird as it sounds, too, I think getting rid of Daniel Tice was actually a big move, too. Yeah, Daniel Tice was a solid backup center, even though he would get smoked by Embiid every time they played. Um, who, who, that's most of the league. I'm, yeah, but, like, having having... <laughs> I know I we've seen like we've seen like we've seen having having reliable backup bigs is actually more important than you would actually think. Mm-hmm. And um, then you know Ennis Freedom or Ennis Cantor, I'm I'm not gonna call him Freedom. Uh, Ennis Cantor is getting uh you know minute like a like rotation. Wait, yeah, yeah, like I just you. I know at the beginning I've looked at this team and I was at the beginning of the year I looked at this team and I was like oh they actually have some depth, some talent, but it just doesn't fit. Like Dennis Schroeder, team sag off of him like 50 feet. Every They just go under the pick every time. Um, the thing too is like, I, I again, I, I Ime, don't want to put Udoka throws his team under the bus every, oh my God. every, I, every week. I wait, for, <laughs> I wait for the quote every time because it's literally some of the stuff where it's like, dude, you're a head coach. You can't say that. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, um. <laughs> But were we were, anyway? I was, what were we saying? So I was gonna say because I again I agree with you that the team around them is just bad. But I I the the lack of development from Tatum and Brown from a playmaking perspective and decision making perspective has been somewhat disappointing because I feel like that's something that should have should be further developed at this point in their career. But again, they're still both really young. Yeah, Jay, Tatum's twenty three. Yeah, they're still. Sp- super young i feel but i feel like the next step in their games is that, that playmaking that's, aspect that's like, the next step yeah and it, it's something that like i felt this last year and i felt like that should be a major focus in the offseason for them to work on mm-hmm. but like it just never developed and it's actually gotten a little worse where i don't know how to improve it and i don't know if it's the kobe thing where like they don't trust their teammates so they don't do it and then once they get good teammates they are fine, but it looks it looks to me, and I don't know if you see this, in late game scenarios, it looks like they're fighting for who's the alpha and like who's gonna take the last shot. I don't know if it's fighting for alpha or more so your turn, my turn. Yeah, yeah, thing. your it, it turns into like your turn, my turn, and it's like, okay, that's fine, but like there's an easier play here or a more efficient play here and it's something that's like becoming very detrimental to them in late. They're very, they're becoming very easy to defend in late game scenarios. Yeah, I could def, I could totally see that. That's why uh, I think they'll, I think they'll eventually. 
I don't think they're ever going to be um, spectacular playmakers or anything like that. I just think they need to get to like a baseline level of good. Uh, but I, again, I, I think for me, my main thing is just going all the way back. They just don't have enough connectors and uh, other players that do different things, you know, um, like Gordon Hayward and Al Horford and, um, <clears throat> you know, Kyrie Irving and then Kemba Walker to a lesser extent before, you know, his bulky knee started, you know, hindering him. Uh, but yeah, I, if you're talking about breaking up the Jays, I, I'm very much a proponent of hold on to your duos and see what you could get out of them as long as you can. No, I com- I completely agree. Yeah. I, my thing is just like, I don't want, what's the best way to put this? If the, if the issue is that like the, de- if the, if the issue is development, right? Like if you're, if you feel like they are taking away opportunities to develop because of, the, because they're with each other. Like if, if it's your turn, my turn, and it's hindering the development of one or both of them. Is there incentive for you to flip one in order to free up the other one? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, I get what you're saying. I just like, I, I wouldn't go that route yet. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with you. I wouldn't go that route yet. Yeah. But like, it's something that you do need to keep in mind for maybe two, three years down the line. Like, if it, this continues to be an issue, it is for sure. Again, it's up to Tatum and Brown to figure out. Like, it's sort of the same thing with the. Okay, it's slightly different because John Wall, Bradley Beal, John Wall was a fast, a, a pass first point guard, um, but like, and and is a people, people need to stop with the John Wall slander, by the way, because John Wall, prime John Wall is still one of my favorite players ever. Oh yeah, to the, watch, I those, love prime uh, John those Wall. Wizards. Those Wizards teams were, you know, sneaky good. Like yeah, they built they built their team really well. They took a Celtics team that went to the conference finals to seven games and could have won that game seven, by the way. Um, The prime John Wall is one of the fastest point guards I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Dude, he can go coast to coast. With the best of them. And he was a pass first player. He just needed to get that shot in order, which never happened. But, I mean, he did everything else well. In his prime, or in his prime, he, uh, you know, in the Wizards days, John Wall was a fucking damn good defender like yes 100 he was a damn good defender a damn good passer he could get wherever he wanted to because he was so fast um that the beal wall tandem that was one of the more underrated backcourts in the nba for a while and like so my my point bringing them up was that like you know they had the do they want to play together who's the who's in charge who's the who's taking the last shot whatever that they had that kind of back and forth mm. when they're younger and again they they tried to work it out and do some stuff they smoothed it out eventually they did um but it, it, it took time right did, yeah and again the injuries kind of piled up and and you know that's what it wasn't it, it wasn't was personality it, it was, was different external forces basically right. just split that backcourt apart yeah so for for me when you talk about this backcourt or you know this kind of wing pairing it is a similar thing where you really hope one of them develops uh, more playmaking, not even a focus, but just like a a better playmaking sense. Yeah, and a situational sense. And again, it it right now it does feel like the Kobe thing of like, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna take the shot. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you know, Kobe Kobe didn't. Kobe only developed that in the 
middle part where he had no Shaq and no Gasol and he was by himself with Kwame Brown and mm. Smush Parker and he was like, fuck you guys, I'm not gonna I'm gonna take every shot. The <laughs> yeah, right. But like and I think, you know, that that's where he gets the reputation from, right? But like when you really look at his assist numbers, like he was he was dishing with when he had Shaq and he was dishing when he had Pow. It was just a thing of like in that little gap of time in his prime. I think I look I look at Tatum and like he's super talented, but he's been he's really been down shooting across the board this yeah. year. And it uh, just seem, it seems like I don't know if this is a down year or Ike's. I think it's a we, I think Ike, it's a Ike. down year. But I look at him as the he's supposed to be the upside franchise superstar player. At least that was the trajectory. He'll have sure. the last two seasons. He'll have like two months out of the season where he is shooting the lights out and he is scoring a bunch. He is you know defending. De- he is defending at a good level. And um, it, it it I just. Don't I and people are like, oh, he's the next superstar, superstar. We need to also start stop throwing the term superstar around yeah. that loosely. That's kind of that's kind of where I'm getting at. Of like, I keep yeah. expecting Tatum to take this leap to like, oh, he is literally a top ten guy in the league. Yeah. Or like, you know, he's in that discussion. But yeah. at the same time, I every time he like gets there, superstar he does superstars do it consistently. Yeah. Every time every he does it, I'm like, night. I'm like, I don't. Is he? Yeah. And like, and I go, okay, is this as good as he's going to get? No, because he's young. But like every time I, every time he makes some kind of progress or progression, it's in a direction where I go, okay, like he's getting better at this thing that he was already good like at. Like if you're, if, if you, if like for superstars, if I look at the player and I have a hint of doubt that they're a superstar, the answer is no. Like, yeah, there's tier one. Fran- we have our tiers and all that stuff. And sure. I think Tay- Tatum has tier one franchise potential, but he's just not there yet. He's also 23. He still has yeah, again, some years to I, go. I want I to make sure saying. that we're not we're yeah. not like bagging on him because he's not there yeah. yet. Yeah. My thing is like I keep waiting for him to like show me that okay, here he is, or here's what he's going to it's be. It's time to start thinking about it. But yeah, and to alleviate those questions, I think Tatum is the guy to become the star and just answer because the the simple solution to these questions that we have is that Tatum has to just become a superstar and eliminate those eliminate those lingering questions right because I think Brown is a great sidekick like a great great he's a he's turned himself into a really awesome player but I'm but like, I, at Tatum, at point, I think know. I think Brown is at kind of where he's going to be at. Yeah, he's 25. Like, I don't, he yeah, has, I don't, probably has he, like two more years left before he hits his prime. He's he's really kind of at I don't see him getting much better than this. And again, I didn't think he was going to get much better. What was it last year when he took another step? And I was like, OK, like this is kind of where he's going to be at. I could be totally wrong, but I'm, I think this is the kind of guy that we're going to see. He'll get yeah. better around the fringes, but like, I don't see him taking this major leap, right? Like, look, it's a super, simple, simple superstar test. Kevin Durant, yes, yes, obviously. Giannis, yes, yes. Joel Embiid, yes. yes. Um, Steph Curry, yes, yes. John Morant, yes, yeah. Um, and if he's not there yet, he's gonna be. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? Like he's he. I think he. I think this year he's become a super like this season he's been a superstar like, yeah but he, it's it's, yeah. it's the thing of like you instantly know like yeah, yeah he's you gonna, instantly you like you instantly know like john morant has it like if it's not this yeah. year the next year yeah if you evan, disagree like, i can i can even say now like evan mobley yes like eventually he's gonna hit that point yeah I, i'm talking about tell. okay I, i'm talking about right now 
right? Yeah, now. yeah, no, like, I, I, I know what you mean. No, like, yeah, well, you can. It's just you, you know, yes, right? And like Tatum, and again, when you look at him, you go, yeah, but I don't. But just the trajectory. I look like, at Tatum and go, yeah, but he's plateaued, which is weird. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's had a he's had a down year across the board, but I think development isn't linear either. Um, and I think he's just having a down year. And also, it's a weird team. And also, Ime Yudoka is a new coach. I don't know if he's a good one, and I don't know. I, if, dude, I don't, I don't know, know how don't long know if, he's going to last either. If I don't know if this strat of throwing your team under the bus is going to work, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he, move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays. I off hope. For him. I hope he has a dedicated guy filling up the bus with gas the way he is driving it over his players this year. Like he is spending too much mileage. <laughs> In that bus, just backing up I mean, and running over is, players. <laughs> he says some shit, and I'm like, "Wait, is that a real quote?" Like, it's one yep. of those things where, like, you see it, and you're like, "Is that a real like quote?" I, and you look at said, it, and you're like, like, "When he said, when he said, like, uh, you know, I think, you know, in the in the final moments of the game, we get mentally soft and all that stuff." I'm like, "Damn, like, you, this is like the tenth time you questioned his mental, their mental toughness. Like, what's what's going on?" <laughs> the funny thing though is, like, he calls dudes out by name. <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah, he called out he called out the Jays by name, Smart by yeah. name. Marcus like Smart if, himself has called out the Jays like earlier in the season, like Yeah, which it's again, I don't th- we t- I, we talked about this when we talked about Team USA, right? Where it I don't know. I look, I personally I don't I I know for me personally, I don't respond well to like silent leadership. Or like the lead by like the silent lead by example, or like the too cool for school guy, mm-hmm. and like when the loudest person, the most vocal person in your locker room is Marcus Spart, I think that's a really detrimental thing for your team. And again, like I, it depends. I, I, it depends. Uh, like for me personally, like I do need, I would need somebody to you know get up in me and yeah, you know, and like. Well, again, it's a thing of I think there's a difference between like being a leader and a positive leader and like being too cool for school, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like where it it comes across as like not lethargic, but it comes off as like passive. Mm-hmm. Where like I feel like Durant's kind of like that, um, or you know Durant has shown tendencies to be like that. I think Tatum has that personality as well. Like yeah. there's no fire, right? You don't see the fire. And again, it could be completely different in the locker room, but like from what we've seen from discussions and from what even Yudoka is saying. They might just express it in a different way, I guess. Right. It's just, it it never goes well. And it, it happened with Team USA, and I brought it up when you we were talking over the summer. Like it Team USA had a whole bunch of guys that were like too cool for school guys. And like you could see it, it was like a lack of competitive fire. Mm-hmm. That they really until until they needed to, they really lost a lot of their games just because they weren't trying that hard or it didn't seem like they were trying that hard well they didn't lose they they did lose some exhibition games but they uh yeah but that, yeah. but that's what i'm saying like they were and they were they a lot of the games were close because you know they're just kind of yeah. until they until they turn it on right it's not it's not really i don't mm-hmm. know but i but uh I think conclusion, I think we just have to wait and see for the next few seasons and see how they build this team out. Because I would still I would still build around the Jays. I think it's just hard to get talent in the NBA. Yeah. And, well, uh, that's yeah. again, it's hard to get talent. And plus, like, A, 
people don't want to go to Boston because Boston's racist as hell, <laughs> right? Like people don't want to like let's yeah. let's call it a spade, right? Like no one wants to go to Boston, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like no one wants to go to Boston, and your your fantastic war chest is now barren, mm. and like what what do you are you gonna what do you do you have no assets to flip other than Marcus Smart, who has been a depreciating asset over the last his max value was like three years ago. Yeah, I'm, looking, um, I'm I'm looking at the uh, looking at the Celtics war chest. Not not dearth with a bunch of first round. No, it's a bunch and of like, uh, second know, protected second round picks and stuff. Like who are you gonna flip? You gonna flip Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard for someone? Like you know, you know what I'm saying like it doesn't. I don't know how I don't know how sounds you like, get sounds better. Sounds like some good trade chips for Giannis. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know I don't know how you get better as the Celtics without like without wasting years of taste tatum and brown yeah that's yeah that's you know what I'm saying like yeah because mm-hmm. you have your superstars as soon as you have your superstars time's clock's ticking like you gotta go and again yeah they're young but like they, you know, should, they you, should be they should be in on the ben simmons thing too honestly yeah i again i don't know what they could offer that would be enticing J- jalen brown yeah, we're having to keep the Jays. No, I, I, <laughs> hey, there's a Sixer side, and then there, there's my Sixer fan side, and then there's me, and then there's me, the neutral observer. I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, the Celtics could jump in on the Ben sweepstakes. But you know, like, <laughs> the Hornet, again, the Hornet, the Hornets popped up as a surprise uh, Ben team today, according to uh, you know oh, uh, the Athletic and stuff. I actually like that. Yeah, the Hornets don't have anything to offer to meet Daryl Morey's asking price. Also, uh. Sorry, Mellon not ball. to not to do uh, to shit. <laughs> I'll take yeah. I'll take Lavelle. <laughs> like also not to you know derail from our topic. I just want to go on record on this podcast because uh, you know um, and we love Lamella Ball. Well, that's been on record, but yes, I do love me some Lamella Ball. Um, but I am totally for, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm a hinky acolyte or a maury you know fanatic or whatever this is just strictly what i think is what me as a fan would like to see for the sixers i think daryl maury is doing the right thing with this whole simmons saga yeah i'm with you like i know people look i know me as a fan whenever i watch the sixers blow a game to a team that has half of his squad gone because of covid or some we've had some embarrassing losses this year. Like absolutely. you're talking to a Laker fan. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you know the feeling of embarrassing losses. Like we've had some embarrassing yeah. losses this year. But and we lost it, to the Kings. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. Um, we uh, but but it, it and this and like and like yes do i leave some games like emotional laughter and i'm just like man we got to do something to help him be now yeah sure but then after like 20 minutes i i'm back to normal sure. daryl morey yeah. is right in waiting out for the right trade for ben simmons because let's say and like me and my friend were talking about you know cj mccollum before and look cj mccollum's a nice player he does not help the Sixers get to where they want to go with the way Joel Embiid is playing right now. We need to get Joel Embiid an impact player, preferably a guard or a wing, that could help 
out with the offensive load. I don't want Maury to make a panic trade because it's like, oh, Embiid's, how can you waste an Embiid prime season this year? The goal is to not waste seasons of prime Embiid. And if you make a trade right now, you know, to band-aid up, uh, put a band-aid on a broken arm, then you're doing the thing that you didn't want to do in the first place, which was in waste in beads prime. Like if you yeah. make if you make a trade right now, let's say the Sixers trade Simmons for the Kings poo poo platter. Although there are some Kings packages that I would like that I would actually do. But let's say you get three three role players for Ben Simmons and a few picks. How is that going to help Embiid? Like, how is yeah. that going to get Embiid any closer to winning this year or the next few years? Like, he's, to me, Daryl Morey is playing this the right way. Now, does that mean it's, does, does that mean the plan's foolproof? Does it mean the plan isn't without faults and has a chance to fail? Of course it does. Every plan does. But if you're, if the Sixers trade Ben Simmons now, our last remaining blue chip, because remember, Brian Colangelo and Elton Brand pissed away all of the the war chest that we talked about earlier. They pissed away Sam Hinkie's war chest. The only way to get Embiid the proper co-star, the only shot they have is with Simmons. And if Daryl Morey screws this up, then Joel Embiid is going to be on the pantheon of Sixers like Allen Iverson and Charles Barkley, where the front office just didn't know how to build around them. And that yeah. is what we don't want. Yes, it sucks. Yes, we might not win this year and this season might be a waste. The goal is to not waste Embiid's entire prime. And if you saddle him with, like Bill Simmons brought up this stupid trade the other day. It made me throw up in I my mouth. <laughs> He was like Daryl. It was and it was on the premise of Daryl Morey cannot waste this Embiid season, this 2021-22 season. He said Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb's expiring contract for Ben Simmons and a first. We're we're giving a first in this fake trade, by the way. <laughs> I I I don't know where his his mindset is. Of you play twin towers with Embiid, Sabonis like. Like, didn't we not? Did we not see this shit without Horford? Like, yeah. Like, I I don't get it's a that. Bonus, right it's a bonus. It's a bonus. Is a way better player than Al Horford is at this point. But that is sure. not what. No, that is exact. He was like, you can't waste Embiid's prime. That trade is going to do exactly that. <laughs> Pairing Sabonis with Embiid, you're wasting his prime. I'm fine with what Daryl is doing. If he has to wait until the summer and through the trade deadline, so be it. I know it sounds insane, but I'm rolling with a guy who is a Hall of Fame level executive and GM, and there is no better person to handle this situation. Who knows how it's going to turn out? Like I said, not all plans are foolproof. Definitely has a chance of failing. This is the right course of action to take. What say you? Yeah, it's um, I'm totally with you. Like the wait and see approach, especially with the amount of uh expiring contracts and well i mean look at the teams already caving yeah. they didn't like they're also the variable of teams their season just doesn't go as they planned and so they get desperate and yeah. maury's winning in that way too yeah no i again i think he's totally right to wait 
and again with the off season, with when you look at the contracts that are up and everything going on with the league in the off season, I think it's the right play. Yeah, and we're like, gonna see. I expect a full a lot of turmoil this off season. I expect I expect a full court press for Harden. Um, Bradley Beal isn't signing his extension with the Wizards. If I'm being completely, if I'm being completely honest on this podcast, I would love Bradley Beal on the Sixers over James Harden. James Harden would be great too. Just want to get that out there. And I'm not saying Bradley Beal has had the better career or was the better player than James Harden. I'm just, for their age and where they are at in the different stages of their careers. I would love Bradley Beal on the Sixers. But if we get Dame, if we get James, if we get Bradley Beal, like Daryl Morey is playing this the right way. I do not want to saddle and bead with CJ fucking McCollum and bow out in the second round and we're right back where we are, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And so we'll, we'll end on this because I, I, I just had to laugh. So I, when, you were, when you were going through your little rant there and you said it's about age it's about whatever i kept thinking of the rock the it's about drive it's about power <laughs> and i was like i was like it's about drive it's about power we stay hungry like, we devour yeah so i was like I was, you were like you were like i'd rather have beal so it's about age it's about, it's about i was like oh my god <laughs> it's about it's about, it's about age it's about talent it's about, i was like oh my god dude you're going through this thing and like it instantly popped in my head i had to bring it up <laughs> Uh, I I uh, I I miss podcasting with, with you. It's it's been a minute. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, so we're we're coming up in like an hour and a half, so we'll go ahead and and close out. But yeah, it's great to go ahead and get back to the weekly grind of, of doing a podcast yes. and hopefully having some fun for real for real this time. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> and, and again, and and the perfect in the perfect mix because again we're getting into the playoff push here and. uh yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how the second half of the season plays out, and sort of. I'm actually even excited to see how All Star game pl- or All Star voting plays out. Which yeah, it, that might be that might be a topic for next week of like All Star voting. Oh, and, I already and, have my I already have my list. I'm down to go over it next episode. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and do that next week. But uh, thank you for watching, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. The Bob.